Hello and welcome. You've tuned into the School of Ministry podcast. Paul is your Bible teacher today. He has years of experience as a pastor, seminary instructor, and more. Later, you will be given information how to reach us. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today. Feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson. Five crucial questions about the Bible. But if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask that we begin in the Scripture, beginning in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. We're talking about today, is the Bible true, reliable? Can you count on it? Well, the Bible tells us from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now your version might read just a little different. I'm reading from the New King James. We see that all scripture is given God-breathed. It is true, it is reliable, and it accomplishes several different things. It is good for doctrine, it's good for reproof and correction in our lives, and instruction in righteousness. In our lives, when we continue on and have problems in life, but it is used for instruction, and when we go through different things, if we will just soak the Word of God up into our lives, if we allow that to penetrate our lives, you will find that pretty soon you see God's hand and how He'll take you through those things. He'll lead you away. He'll, he'll lead you out of many of those problems by thinking biblically, thinking as God would have us to think. In our day and age, there are many that question the Bible. You know, there wasn't very long ago that everyone accepted the Bible, at least in the United States. People accepted that that's the Word of God. Today, not so much so. We're not living in the nation that we once lived in. And so there are five crucial questions about the Bible. And there are men that give their lives studying every portion. It's just amazing to see how certain scholars have spent so much time on all different aspects of these five questions that we're looking at. Is the Bible the word of men or the very words of God? And is the Bible full of myths, legends, fairy tales? Or is it historically reliable? Is all the Bible true and trustworthy or only parts of it? Can a Bible that has been translated so many times for so many hundreds of years still be accurate? And what makes the Bible so different than all other religious writings and their claims to truth? You see, we just read the Bible says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and that it's profitable in your life. I believe that the Bible is true. I believe that the Bible is accurate. And I believe it for many, many different reasons. We're going to talk about seven. We looked at five evidences last week. We're going to talk about 
seven more evidences that the Bible is true, it is reliable, it will change your life as millions of people have experienced. Well, the Bible is historically accurate as shown by archaeology. You know, other religious writings have talked about certain cities or maybe planets, and there's no evidence scientifically or in archaeology that, that any of those things were so. However, you know the Bible talks about Bethlehem, and you can go and you can see the ruins, and you can see the archaeological digs that are taking place that show exactly where Bethlehem is. It talked about the Hittite civilization. And for years, many thought that, oh, the Hittites, that's just a, a fiction of the Bible. It's not true. But yet, archaeologists have found the whole civilization, their writings, and all so many different things. We understand about Solomon and all of his splendor and all of his glory. And now you can go to Israel and you can see the beautiful stables that Solomon had. They dug up and just the horse stables are phenomenal. And if just the horse stables are such a phenomenon, can you imagine what Solomon's palace would have been? What about Jericho? Remember the story of how Joshua, they marched around, all the children of Israel marched around Jericho and the walls came tumbling down? Do you know the archaeologists found that the earth actually opened up? That the walls fell down exactly as the Bible says, fell down within the earth and Israel was able to, they didn't have to crawl over the rubble they walked straight over it. That's what archaeologists have found about Jericho. There is a synagogue in Capernaum. As a matter of fact, if you want to look in your Bibles in Luke chapter 7, reading through verse 5, it talks about the synagogue that was at Capernaum. Now when he concluded all his sayings and the hearings of the people, he entered Capernaum. And a certain centurion's servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders to the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving, for he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. By the way, this same synagogue that the centurion built, you can find the archaeological digs today. And they have built another synagogue over that. The rubble of those two synagogues, now there is a church over it. And because it was built upon the archaeological stand, it's a Greek Orthodox, a Greek Catholic church. The whole building has dropped, it says, one and a half meters. So I don't know what that is, but about three foot. That the whole floor and everything is collapsed because it was built on the rubble of two ancient synagogues. This was the very synagogue where Jesus went in and began to explain that I am the bread of life that we find in John chapter 6. Where Jesus began to explain to them and they got so upset they were going to run him out and you remember they took him up to the hill and they were going to throw him over the hill but he just walked through their midst. There was also the synagogue at Nazareth where Jesus taught and he told them that the prophet has no honor in his own town. 
You can go and you can see the synagogue of Nazareth and the foundations there. Even though, again, more has been built over it through the years. But as you look down, they see that archaeological digs had shown those things to be exactly true. What about Solomon's temple? You see many times where they go to the Wailing Wall and you see the huge stones that are the foundations of the temple during Solomon's time. Hezekiah's tunnel. You can go in there and read back from the Old Testament of Hezekiah that they built a tunnel. And you can still walk through that tunnel and go through where they had the water to help them meet the various needs of the city. No archaeological discovery has ever shown the Bible to be incorrect. Scores of archaeological findings have been made to confirm and clear outline the exact detail and the historical statements that are given in the scriptures. That's there in your notes by Dr. Nelson Glick. Well, we have so many different proofs archaeologically. Is that the reason we should believe the Bible? Well, it doesn't hurt. It shows us the Bible is true archaeologically. But the Bible is validated by historical references. We have the great historical references of King Saul. Writings that were given and have continued to this day of King David. We have the writings and the historical evidence of King Solomon. We know because of historical documents that there really was a man by the name of Pontius Pilate that are not even found in Scripture. These are historical documents that there was a man by the name of King Herod, that there was a taxation by Caesar Augustus that at the time of Jesus' birth, they had to go back to Bethlehem. All of those are historical references that are outside of the Bible, but yet the Bible speaks of them and speaks of these people. And so all of these references, we find many, many different references, and we're going to talk about the true historical Jesus, but we'll talk about from the historians Josephus. By the way, Josephus was a Jew who was working for the Romans, did not have any necessary love for Jesus, but yet historically he writes the historical account of a true and actual Jesus. There's plenty, was a Roman historian, and we have many of these instances and all of these historical records. Eusebius, and we could go on and on. There's a multitude of historical references that back up the Bible, that show us that all of these things were true. Hi, give me a moment to update you with a bit of information. You can reach us now at schoolofministryresources.org or biblelandmarks.com. You can also reach us at P.O. Box 837, Valley Springs, California, 95252. Please contact us with comments, questions, or to receive handouts and printed material. We look forward to hearing from you. Now, back to the podcast. Well, there is the Bible's unique composition, the Bible's unity, its structure, the subject matter. It all shows there is divine authorship. What do I mean? The Bible was written over a period of about 1,500 years by about 40 different authors written in three different languages. We have the Old Testament in Hebrew and some in Aramaic. 
And then we have the New Testament in Koine Greek. Koine Greek is simply common Greek. That's what the everyday person spoke. Do you remember how after Alexander the Great and the Grecian Empire came in, the Greeks did something called Hellenization. They taught everyone how to speak Greek. They taught them some of their philosophy. They instructed them in the ways of the Grecian civilization. So everybody understood and they could all speak. You had a world, and by the way, Christ came just at the right time. You had the world all speaking one language. You had the Romans that had come in and built roads going into all of the different providences, all of the different areas, so that the gospel could go very quickly into the various locations and people could understand it. So he used the common language, people, something that people would have understood, but there is a central theme. Now, if we were to take 40 different writers and say, I want you to talk about God and everybody would come up with a story and were to come up with something and then you put it all collectively. Believe me, you would have a disjointed compilation of all of those things. However, it's amazing because even from the very beginning in the book of Genesis, there's a promise of a redeemer. There's a wonderful beautiful story that goes throughout the whole Old Testament and into the New Testament of how Christ would come, how Messiah would come. There is the attack of Satan over and over to try to get the godly line, that godly lineage that Messiah would come from to destroy that lineage. And so we see something very unique about the Bible is that its central theme throughout is Jesus Christ. And it ends up with Christ in heaven as Lord of Lords and in His right position and the glory that we find in the book of Revelation. So we begin with the fall of man in the book of Genesis and the creation of man and His fall and it brings about all of world history until it culminates that we're with the Lord God in eternity. You see, it has one central theme, even though 40 different authors, three different languages. Do you know the Quran was written over about 12 years with one author? Very, very different. They cannot be compared. It's so different. It's so amazing. But the Bible is honest in its accounts of men. The Bible shows man exactly as they are. It shows in every aspect the truth about each one. What about Abraham going off and he tells Sarah, his wife, say that you're my sister because I don't want any trouble for myself. You see, Abraham was a great man of faith. He believed God when God said, offer up your son, your only son. And Abraham had faith and he believed. Abraham believed God when he says, get up out of Ur of the Chaldeas and go to a land that I'll show you. And he had faith and he believed that. But then when the pressure is on, it's to tell Sarah, say you're my, say you're my sister so they don't kill me in order to take you. You see, the Bible is so different from other literature. It shows man and all of his greatness and all of his flaws. What about Noah? Noah was a great man of faith. 
He believed God and he built an ark. When God said he was going to destroy the earth, he trusted and he did and he followed and obeyed God. But then he comes out and he gets drunk. What about Moses? Moses becomes so angry. Today he would have been arrested and held for voluntary manslaughter because he got so angry at the Israelite and the Egyptian that was abusing him that he killed the Egyptian. And then what does he do? He runs and he takes off. It's voluntary manslaughter in today's legal standards. What about King David? King David was a man after God's own heart. And yet we see him committing adultery and murder planning the murder of that man. What about Solomon? Doesn't hide that Solomon has 300 wives and 700 concubines. Or Paul, the Apostle Paul, how he caused the murder of so many Christians. That's why when he became a Christian, they were all afraid of him. They wanted to go some other direction. They were afraid. What about John Mark? John Mark is the nephew of Barnabas. And as Paul and Barnabas are going on a missionary journey, Mark goes with them. But he wants to turn back because he thinks, boy, this is too hard. I didn't expect that it would be this difficult. And so he turns back. However, later... He is the author of the Gospel of Mark. What about Peter? We can look at the life of Peter and you can see how sometimes he makes such great statements of faith and trusting in God and he, and he is just so close to the Lord. And then he blows it. And then he just falls so short. And it seems like he puts his foot in his mouth and then says, Lord, I'm going back fishing. He denies the Lord. Then he says, I'm going to go back to my old way. You see, the Bible is unique and it's showing the character of mankind. It shows how high man can be lifted up and how far man can fall. It is true. It is exactly unique in its composition. The unity, the structure of the Bible, it's so beautiful in how it shows all of these things. If you've thought about how the Bible is laid out, it's laid out by giving us the law and then giving us the beautiful prophets and the foretelling and it's giving us the poetry. So many different parts to the Bible, the wisdom and the history and all that goes into it. And so we can have something that is unique in its authorship that we recognize that it had a supernatural author. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. See, God is the ultimate author. Even though he used men, he used their natural language, he used their understandings. But yet, there is a supernatural author to this book. The Bible claims to infallibly reveal the very words and mind of God. Do you know there are over 3,000 references that says, Thus saith the Lord. Or, God says to you. Something to that effect. The writers of the epistles and gospels all claimed, All scripture is God-breathed. Jesus over and over referred to the Old Testament scriptures as being the word of God. He told those scribes and those Pharisees, does not the word of the Lord say unto you, whatever he might be quoting, 
Have you not heard it written? Have you not heard it said in your scriptures? And Jesus recognized that all of the Old Testament sayings were the very words of God. In the New Testament, Paul writes, and those at Thessalonica, they received his words as the words of God. We can see that over and over in all of that account that every scripture is God-breathed. Well, we talked about some fulfilled prophecies last week. But think about, we talked about the judgment of Tyre. Remember how we explained how all of Tyre was destroyed First by Nebuchadnezzar and then later by Alexander coming in and pushing all of the rubble into the sea 250 years after that prophecy. But what about Daniel? What about the prophecies of Daniel? For Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar, as Nebuchadnezzar had the vision of this image, that Nebuchadnezzar, you would be the head, the head of gold. And then there would be the Medo-Persian Empire, the silver and then there would be a Roman Empire. And then finally, this Roman Empire would be broken up into two parts. And then finally, we see feet of clay and of iron. A kingdom that is still future. It has all come to pass exactly. And if you look at the book of Daniel, over and over you see all of the different ideas of the images, the beast that he shows. The horns, they all have come to pass except for one future kingdom that's coming. Bible prophecy has been amazing. Do you realize Jesus fulfilled over 300 Bible prophecies? Some in his birth, in his birthplace. Now, if Jesus were just a man, if the Bible was just a book, it could not tell us and it could not have foretold the exact place where Jesus would be born. It could not have foretold that even as an infant that he would be carried off into Egypt. It could not have foretold how he would come back and be in the land of Nazareth, that he would be called a Nazarene. Not a Nazarite, but a Nazarene from Nazareth. You see, those things were above his control if he were just man. But if he is God-man... If he is God in the flesh, they are very much within his control. We talked about King Cyrus, who was named 150 years before his birth, and that the actions were exactly fulfilled. By the way, do you know historically, when Alexander the Great comes into Israel and is about to take and destroy the land and the temple, they bring out the writings of Daniel, and they show him that here in this book, they showed him exactly, here are you, Alexander. You have already been prophesied. And that Alexander the Great left the temple and Jerusalem to stand intact because he believed the prophecies of the book of Daniel. That's an historical reference. You see, the fulfilled prophecies show over and over that the Bible is true. Well, we talked about that much last week. I don't want to belabor that because we could spend a long, long time in looking at all those Bible prophecies. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the message. If you want to hear Paul in person and are in the Stockton, California area, we invite you to join us at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church, 301 East Alpine Avenue. That's near the University of the Pacific. He brings the Bible message every Sunday at 11 a.m. and other times as listed. We trust you've been encouraged, challenged, or generally built up spiritually. 
If this lesson has sparked questions on this or other topics, please see our contact information in the description or email us at sclofministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.